welcome to my podcast. Here you can listen to six episodes of Snowware, the action-adventure novel set in the snowy Alps. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Snowware the Book, read by me, Heather Flood, the author. The penguin was now swaying from side to side, his considerable weight being transferred from one ski to the other. It seemed to indicate that he was happy. Vinny gritted his teeth, then submitted for a split second to the torture of having Monty's wing land slap on his hand. The same tremor as before shook him, followed by waves of heat. "'You're some brave specimen, Vinny!' Monty exclaimed. You have earned the right to know how to combat your greatest enemy. Before continuing, he performed an odd little jig, involving the raising, lowering, and even crossing of his ski-clad webbed feet, moving so fast they were a clicking, clacking blur. As he danced, he winked repeatedly at Vinny, and his beak seemed to stretch widthways. Vinny's every nerve was on edge, even as he watched the ludicrous performance. What was this about his enemy? Who was it? S. Lalum, who had apparently organized his capture? But he was just carrying out the orders of Princess Bella Clava. It must surely be she. And Vinny wasn't sure that he actually wished to defeat her. Just give her the slip and get away from this place. His thoughts were interrupted. When Monty's dance prematurely ended, his left ski, instead of smoothly joining its partner, caught on one of the ruts in the snowy floor created earlier by Vinny's bad-tempered scuffing. The penguin crashed to the deck. Two vertical cracks appeared in the nearest ice wall and a squawk rent the air. Steam was still escaping from Monty's beak when Vinny automatically reached out a hand to help pull the penguin to its feet. Oh-oh, he thought, but it was too late to withdraw the offer of assistance. The searing cold shot up his arm, into his shoulder, his cheek, his back teeth, and still Monty was not upright. The problem, Vinny realised, through the numbness which even seemed to have reached his brain, was Monty's lack of knees. Vinny heaved, the cold tremors now travelling down through his chest. At last the penguin was upright. He, knew, he no longer cared about the secret. He was just praying for Monty to leave. Monty wedged his skis more firmly into the yielding snow. Odd, he said. I am one diligent worker, and I could have sworn I had been through here and smoothed this floor, as is my duty. Vinny felt he ought to confess to having caused the gouges in the floor, but nevertheless said nothing, fearing that it might give Vinny another excuse to touch him. He waited nervously. Your greatest enemy is cold. I can help you there. That was one mystery cleared up. Vinny guessed what was coming, more physical contact. Monty appeared to be itching to get his flightless wings on his human victim. He was slapping them against his sides as he talked. The drink they give you drives out the cold, but what if you don't always get it in time? You have to drink a glass of it every twelve hours. If not, you would start to feel your temperature rapidly dropping. Monty was into his stride. His eyes shone brightly. His beak stabbed the air, punctuating each sentence. Hold my wing once a day and you need, your need for warmth will slowly decrease. 
risking upsetting Monty and possibly making him lose his precarious balance again. The penguin was swaying rhythmically now while the beak conducted an invisible orchestra. Vinny spoke. How do you know, pray, that you can help me? Wouldn't I benefit just as much from burying my hands in snow once a day? Monty laughed a creaking oily laugh. Dude, snow doesn't have powers. The most it can do is toughen you a little. I know that my special touch is as magical as that brew they give you because it has worked on others. Yes, I gathered I had predecessors. Predecessors who no longer receive their glass a day. They are lucky to get two glasses a week. You mean they're still here? That other kids like himself who had been plucked unsuspecting from the ski slopes might still be captive in snowware had not occurred to Vinny. Suddenly he had a great desire to hold on to Monty. Though not literally, the ice burn still hurt and the shock was still zinging in his brain. Certainly they're here. Besides being a floor sweeper, I am also the supervisor of the normal-sized penguins, shally pets to demoted humans. He looked a little wistful now as he spoke. They carry on my work of acclimatization. Their touch is a lot less powerful, though. Vinny took this to mean that his fellow humans had to touch their freezing shally pets regularly, or presumably face death. It was a safe bet that the upside to this depressing tale was that their weaker touch was less painful. He would have liked one for himself. He would also like to know if he could meet the youngsters who had tried and failed to solve the riddle. Can I? But just then, a key turned in the lock and the door to the studio swung open to reveal Sal. His serene expression altered when he spotted Monty. Monty White, get out of here. How many times have I told you, operatives may not fraternise with guests. A very quick Ministering glance of street Vinny's credit towards Monty's portcullis revealed Vinny had become invisible. Monty skied slowly a secret of entry then, past how handy, and out into the corridor. Vinny desperately wished that there had been time to learn more about his predecessors, if only their names. He could tell that mentioning the previous occupants of his studio to Sal would be a bad idea. St Sal, who still had his lips pursed in disapproval, was looking not at Monty's retreating back, but at the mussed-up snow on the floor. When the swishing of the penguins' skis had died away, Sal became his normal self. He gave Vinny a rather distant smile, folded his hands across his midriff, and spoke. I trust you have made yourself at home here. Most accommodating of you, Mr. Opet, came Vinny's prompt reply. A superior working environment. We like to think it helps the youthful brain cells to function. As Sal went on speaking, Vinny could only think. Yes, youthful brain cells, of which mine are not the first. He said, I'm a little stumped by the riddle. Ah. Sal's smile dis disappeared and he gazed off into space. This must mean he was unhappy with the reply. But not irrevocably. Now where had that word come from and how had he known how to pronounce it? Rome wasn't built in a day. Sal seemed to like this. And nor was snowware excavated in a day. Tell me about it. It's a very long story, but if you travel along the skitos ahead of me back to your chalet, I will tell you what I can en route. 
Vinnie put his skis on outside the studio. He longed to make a dash for it. He longed, too, to turn on Salopette and to demand to be told what was going to happen to him. He wanted to confront him with the news he'd just received from Monty, that other schoolchildren were held prisoner here. Instead, he half bowed to his freakily tall guide, then gracefully took hold of the towing apparatus and allowed his skis to glide forward. The mountains above nowhere were once untouched by human hand or foot. Their beauty and grandeur were admired by many, but only from afar. Goat herds ventured no farther than the lowest slopes, and avalanches, when they occurred, hurt no one except the unfortunate yeti. Is that why yetis are so rare? Finney asked politely, calling over his shoulder. Yes, so many of them lose their lives in avalanches, indeed. Digressing from the point a little, your Southie is one of those smaller yeti which began to evolve, as the species sought to become less vulnerable to avalanches. Returning to our history, Sal went on, there was in those mountains just one couple who inhabited a maze of majestic caves, decked out with every comfort, and who effectively reigned the range. But without subjects. Vinny was disbelieving of this tale about the perfect Princess BC and her consort Toby. Yes, true, although they were served by the Yeti whom they had tamed. All was well until the day the first machines ascended the mountain and began to dig foundations for a ski lift station. You can imagine the rest. Higher ski lifts, cafes, toilets, pipelines, electric cables. The mountain rulers hid in their cave and despaired. Vinnie grappled with all this new information, tempted not to believe a word. Then he found himself asking the question, Do I doubt that snowware really exists? Much as he would have liked to believe that it was just a bad dream from which he would soon awaken, Vinnie knew that snowware was all too real. He had no choice but to go on listening to Sal's silky, soothing voice. After all, thought Vinny, I might learn something that could help me in my bid to escape. Fortunately, the child Bella Clava was not yet born, as the next month or two were torment for her two future parents. They hid in their cave home, venturing out to take a peek at the developments there from time to time, and being utterly horrified each time they did so. To make matters worse, they soon had to fend for themselves, as the yetis who had once hunted and gathered food for them had fled, scared off by the men and their machines. The royal couple grew thin. They hadn't the skills as elk hunters that the yetis possessed. They were far less capable of finding berries. Things grew desperate.